if you're a mom and you're living in this home that's moldy, except for getting out for food or doing something fun, you're basically exposed to mold 24-7. And so you're not breathing good air for 24-7. And your body is getting more and more inflamed 24-7. You cannot get well in that environment. You have to stop exposure. So you have to get out of it. And then you have to get it out of you. This is the Gutsy Health Podcast, your go-to destination for uncomplicated, practical, and affordable tools for your wellness education with Johnny Grover. Are you ready to become a self-healing champion? Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to season one of the Gutsy Health Podcast. I'm going to share with you all a story. I don't even think you know the story, Dr. Wright. So I'm full of like surprises. I like to surprise people with stories. Dr. Wright, did I tell you that I was going to sell Provo Health? No. (laughs) Your face. So here's the story. A year ago, when I was like in the throes of like my own health issues and all the things, I remember I was in a training and we were learning about infections and it was different type of viral infections. And I could just, I wasn't feeling good, but I could feel my body was like, I don't want to be an expert in this. And I remember just driving down the road and I'm like, how could I have built such a beautiful business and I don't want to lead it? I don't want to be the thought leader in this anymore. I don't want to be the illness expert. And then I got pregnant. And then I was like, I was like, my heart was just like, I can't be in these classes anymore. I can't. It just was like soul draining for me. And I remember I spoke with a few people and I was like, I need to sell this business. I think I need to be done here because I can't be the leader anymore because what I learned, I teach to everyone, right? Like I teach the coaches, I teach the staff and talk about it on the podcast. And I just remember being like, I can't do this anymore. It's not good for my soul. And I want to be a mom. And paths led me to you somehow. <laughs> Like, I'm not even kidding. And I found my disease expert. The world just changed to, it was very evident to me that Provo Health has to be, right? And and again, I always joke and I say, Tristan is always still woven in and he's still working his little miracles because I've kind of told you what a miracle it was that I came across your path. And if you guys haven't heard the story, I think we talk about it in another podcast. But if you guys don't know who Dr. Jeff Wright is, he's kind of like a national monument of doctors here in Utah. Like everybody knows of him. He's either trained doctors or like doctors know of him that he's trained. When I announced on Instagram that you were working at Provo Health, like there were people literally that are like, I am in tears. I thought he had retired. I didn't know what other doctors to trust. And like the stories went on and on and on. And so Dr. Wright, I'm so grateful you're here. I'm so grateful I get to pick your brain on all these wonderful things and that people get to learn from you that you're not retired that you are still going stronger than, I wouldn't say stronger than ever. I don't know what it was like before, but you're still going strong and you still have a very purposeful mission that, I mean, we were talking about some things just yesterday that we are going to start unfolding probably in a year that people can look forward to. I'm going to tease people throughout the year about it, but like some really amazing things to just keep the mission of healing going for people, of better education, of better self-empowerment, right? For yourself, for your doctors. So 
welcome Dr. Wright to the podcast again. We are going to be talking about mold. And I love what you said before. You're like, I love talking about mold because people aren't educated about it. And so Dr. Wright, how did you come across the world of mold? Like how many years have you been dealing with this in patients and being educated on it? Let me tell you the story. So growing up, if you had a cold, it was more of a snotty nose and you just did what you did anyway. And so you weren't really sick unless you were flat out on your back and couldn't do anything. That was kind of the culture I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And I grew up that if something broke, you went, ate good food and took your herbs. And unless it was literally gushing blood or broken, you didn't go see the regular doctor. Mm-hmm. And you know, fast forward in time, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself, figured out I wanted to go into healing medicine and naturopathic medicine fit the bill. So I went that way. And I learned a lot. I realized that growing up was as we all are biased, and that there was more to things I just didn't realize. Mm -hmm. And in school, when they would come across mold in my various classes, and it was, think of a rock skipping across the water. Mm -hmm. It was touched, not dug into, not given a lot of information. It was touched. And basically, the summary of what I learned in medical school was, if they have mold issues, treat symptomatic. Interesting. Now, remember, I wanted to go in and get to the cause of problems and fix it. So treat symptomatically never really sat well with me. Still doesn't. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a time and a place for it. I want to get to the core cause, help people fix it so they can move on with better health than I found them with. So fast forward, started my practice, went through my residency, started my practice, and I went to my first environmental conference. Mm -hmm. And at this environmental conference, the doctor who he literally wrote the book on environmental medicine, Dr. Bill Ray, anybody, any of the listeners know who he is. He literally wrote the books. Well, like volumes, encyclopedia volumes of books on environmental illness. I went and was able to follow him around and somebody came in with mold and he said, well, you have to leave naked and never go back. And I just kind of went, I'm not sure that's any better than treat symptomatically. What does he mean by that? (laughs) Basically, you take nothing with you. Mm -hmm. You leave everything in the home. Yikes. You have a change of clothes outside of your door. And you burn it all down. Leave naked. (laughs) Yeah, burn it all down, whatever. And then you put on the change of clothes and then you leave. Crazy. And you take absolutely nothing with you. And I thought, no, that's not sustainable. Harsh examples, harsh answers. And so, but that was the answer is like, okay, now what? I still do a lot of homeopathy and environmental medicine and so on, but never sat well. So fast forward, I had a patient and I wish I could say I helped her. I can't really say that I did. She was at Primary Children's. She was not getting the help she needed. She came to my office. I can't really say that I helped her. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, shortly after I visited with her and her family, she eventually passed away. And you know that it stuck with me and not in a good way. You know, when you have a patient and they die and you didn't know what was going on, a lot of doctors will just go, well, it was not outside my scope. I don't have to worry about this. Too bad. And they move on with their life. And to me, I was like, okay, this is something is here and I don't know what it was. And while I don't feel guilty for not knowing what it was, I really was curious So about three weeks-ish later, about a month later, I had a patient that I was working with and I was beginning to look into Lyme disease. She sent me like six books on Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. And my amazing wife, Amber, she's a speed reader. And so she read through all of them and said, this is the one you read. (laughs) This is the best of these six books. And you guys, Amber's a force to be reckoned with. Like the woman's brilliant, you guys. So that's amazing. Like it's amazing. She's amazing and I'm glad to have her. So I read the book that she read and they said was the best. And so I started reading it. And it was all the things, you know, it was my second introduction to Lyme disease. I'd already read a book that was excellent. There was a good summary of it, but that was more like a a 20 page 
ebook, mm-hmm. which gave me kind of the sandbox that I'd be playing in if I was going to start treating people with Lyme. And then this is a 500-page, research-based, everything you ever wanted to know, and a whole bunch more on Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. But the thing about mold is... He said, oh, and if there's a mold problem, I send him to this guy. I was like, who the heck is that guy? So I got on Google and, you know, I asked Dr. Google or, and who this guy, Richie Shoemaker, was. And turns out he's a guy who lives in Maryland. He's a medical doctor who I have a tremendous amount of respect for because he's looking at his patients and going, why aren't you getting well? But he noticed things like somebody coming with a chronic diarrhea and he said, well, there's this drug we use for cholesterol, but it tends to cause constipation. Let's give you that. At least it'll fix your diarrhea. And they'd come back and say, yeah, a bunch of other stuff got better too. And being an astute learner and observer, he started watching that and he he basically wrote the mold protocol. Amazing. And this was in 2007 or 8 when he was kind of wow. getting the tail end of writing it. And so I ordered his book because I was like, well, what is the mold protocol? Well, now you can find it online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's got a website that you can find it on. But at the time, you had to buy the book or take the class or whatever. And so right. I bought the book. It was called Mold Warriors. And I read it and it was just astonishing. All of a sudden, it made so much mm-hmm. more sense yeah. why that 15 or 20% of my really sick people would not get better no matter what I did. And so that's kind of how I got into mold. And then I've been following Dr. Shoemaker's work. In 2011, I got to go to one of his conferences and learned even more. Amazing. Uh, and and I, I continue to learn. So you've been talking about mold way longer than it's been, because mold's kind of like picked up in popularity in the past couple of years, but you've been doing this since the early 2000s. You know, it's interesting that I want us to discuss is like how mold is actually a root cause. Everyone thinks it's Lyme and everyone thinks it's Epstein-Barr, but it's like, no, 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 no. With all the trainings I've done and with everything that I understand, it's like, if you have Epstein-Barr or Lyme, it's not Epstein-Barr and Lyme. There's something else that's happening that is causing the terrain to be perfect for Epstein-Barr and Lyme to take over, right? Like there's something that is draining your immune system's tank. There is something that is causing dysregulation. There's something that's causing infection or immune issues or inflammation. And so it's never Lyme, you guys. It's never Epstein-Barr. Look for like chronic infections. Look for mold. Look for parasites. Look for chronic UTIs or like other viral infections. But it's never just Lyme. And so I think, you know, what's crazy is everyone knows I've been on my own health journey and I never, never in a million years thought that I would create a clinic I would actually need for my own healing journey. And so when we have clients and patients come in and they tell us all the symptoms. I'm like, yep, I've experienced that. Yep, I've experienced that. But sometimes you are too close to your own story, right? And and so I remember after having my baby Theo, all my symptoms, like they started coming back, not full throttle like before I had him because after doing the parasite cleanse and after getting my root canals taken out, like things got better. But all the neurological symptoms came back and they all mimicked MS. And I was like, what could this be? Is this Epstein-Barr? Is this Lyme? Like, what is it? And I did a hair analysis and it showed mold and I was still in denial. And I think people are just in denial with this. And then I did a consult with you and I was like, Dr. Wright, here are my symptoms. Here's my health history. Here are all the pieces. Like, what do you think? And you were like, well, let's do some testing. But this sounds like, this sounds exactly like mold. And I was like, no way. And you're like, yeah, this really sounds like mold, right? So I actually did. So I went to my neurofeedback technician and I said, Dr. Wright thinks I have mold. And she's like, well, we could look at your brain scan, your brain map and see if it's mold. And she said, you're a poster child for mold. And I was like, oh my gosh, how did I miss this? And here is how. Mold mimics 
everything that's inflammatory. Mold looks like Epstein-Barr. Mold looks like MS. Mold looks like all kinds of neurological issues. So I'm going to start listing some mold symptoms, but they are identical to Lyme. So people will often get tested for Lyme disease and do all these like expensive SOT therapies and all these other medications and take antibiotic after antibiotic after antibiotic. And they're like, I'm not better. Well, it's because you're not hitting the root cause, right? Mold not only mimics Lyme, but creates the environment for Lyme. Am I right, Dr. Wright? Yes. So here are some of the symptoms. Fatigue, aches and pains, unusual pains, headaches, red eyes, tearing, coughing, abdominal pain, joint pain, memory loss, word recollection, confusion, skin sensitivity, appetite swings, temperature regulation, increased urination, numbness, vertigo, tremors, metallic tasting, tingling, static shock, excessive thirst, sweating or excessive sweating, mood swings. This is a big one, you guys. A lot of people suffer from anxiety and depression have reported to me that as soon as they remediated their houses, it went away overnight. Like their anxiety. I've seen that too. It's insane. Like I cannot tell you how many people on Instagram have reported that to me. Now this also makes me think, what is happening to our children if they are growing up in moldy homes and they are being diagnosed with bipolar disorder or asthma or some kind of like chronic strep throat, right? Or headaches or the list can go on and on and on. I'm not even done with a list here for mold. So weakness, cramps, ice pick pain, light sensitivity, blurred vision, sinus issues, shortness of breath, diarrhea, morning stiffness, focus and concentration. How many of us just have brain fog where we're like, man, like I can't seem to think straight. I had a friend who told me that when she complained of fatigue all the time and she spoke to me, she's like, what could it be? And I'm like, oh, adrenals this, adrenals that. They remodeled their house. It was an old house, black mold right behind all the drywall. Once they remodeled their, this was in the bathroom, sorry. They remodeled the bathroom, black mold behind the drywall, they remodeled it. And months later, she's like, my energy is back. And she just put two and two together after watching my stories on mold. She's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was being poisoned by mold. How many of us think we, oh no, I'm just getting old. I'm just tired. It's just brain fog. I haven't slept. I just need an extra cup of coffee. And we're actually being affected by mold. Dr. Wright, are there any other things that you want to add to that list or strange things that you have seen in people? I'll tell you an example of a family. But before I do that, I want to say three hallmark symptoms. If you have one of these, we talked about this on the the Instagram live today, but I want to put it out to these listeners as well. So three symptoms. If you have one of these three three things, these are what we call pathognomonic, which means if you see these symptoms, think mold. Okay. So number one is if you get static electricity shocks, like regularly, Mm -hmm. think mold. And that usually is combined with frequent urination and intense thirst. So you're drinking a ton, peeing a ton, you're thinking, oh gosh, well, I'm drinking a ton, so therefore I'm peeing a ton. Well, actually, it's because stuff got changed in your body. So now you're peeing a ton. So now you're drinking a ton mm-hmm. and you're getting static electricity shocks because of it. So that's number one. Number two is an internal tremor. Now, if you have Parkinson's disease, we can see the tremor, but this is an internal tremor where you can feel yourself shaking, but other people can't see mm-hmm. it. That was me. So it's not in your head. Okay, it is in your head, but not in the way that we would normally say that. <laughs> you're not crazy. It's real. You're not but crazy. no one else can real. see it. <laughs> exactly. If you're feeling that, you're not crazy. There's something really going on. Okay, number three thing is anytime, this is, listen to your doctor. If your doctor says, will you have atopic or atypical, fill in the blank here, atypical mm. MS, atypical fibromyalgia, atypical allergies, atypical asthma, atypical depression, atypical whatever, and you don't even need your doctor to tell you atypical, but if they're using the word atypical, mm. think mold. But if you have allergies and you're using the standard protocol for allergies and you're not getting better, 
or if you have depression and you're not getting better, mm-hmm. or if you have you know MS or whatever and you're not getting better, the drugs work for a reason. They're created for mm. reasons. So in some degree, they should be working. So if they're not working, it's a data point that says, maybe you've missed the underlining cause. So there's that. So those are the three symptoms that I look for as a doctor. If you're having these three things, I'm going to go to mold first. Or at least one okay. of the three, right? You don't have to have all three. Or at least one. Of, yeah, don't, yeah, you don't have to be a high achiever and get all three. Just one of the three is perfectly right. fine. So I have a family that I was working with and the dad and mom brought the son in first. And mom's in a wheelchair, so I knew she mm-hmm. had some health problems, but I wasn't sure what. And the son is flunking out of high school. Now, he likes high school. And mom and dad say he can't think, he can't process, he can't remember anything. No matter how hard he studies, he's just not doing well. And he was a previously good student. And so, you know, doing what we were doing and doing our testing, we did a type of biofeedback. I was like, well, wait a minute. When did all this start? Well, about four years ago. Well, what happened four years ago? Well, nothing. I'm like, well, did you have any mold? Did you have any floods? Did you ever? They said, well, yeah, our sewer backed up. We got that remediated. And I said, but he started having memory and brain problems right after that, right? She said, yeah. So, you know, doctors, we can ask inappropriate questions sometimes. So I went over to the mom and I said, how long have you been in that wheelchair? She said, about six weeks after the flood. Mm. And so I sent my remediators over there and they said it was the worst house they had seen in their entire practice. No way. Remediation. So son was flunking out of school. Dad said he had 15 minutes per day of functional brain cognizance. He could think for 15 minutes a day and and the rest of the day, his staff would be looking at him and he'd be kind of given this stupefied look Mm -hmm. of not being able to tell them what to do. And so we worked, it took a lot. I had to go over through the whole mold protocol, got them out of the house, got them out of the, got the mold out of them. And then it took some doing to repair, help them repair their bodies. And now they're doing fantastic. Amazing. And, you know, a couple of the daughters who weren't there, they were having hormone problems mm-hmm. and mood problems. And standard of care, we'd go, oh, well, you just have PMS or, oh, you just have depression or, oh, you just have, okay, well, the diagnosis might be accurate, but what's the cause? What's the root cause? Right. And why does this person who used to be happy, why are they all of a sudden depressed? Mm-hmm. So. You know, and I want to bring back to like, if children are sensitive to mold and let's say a young girl is starting to get their period and it's inconsistent, right? And then we just throw them, slap birth control on that, not thinking there's a root cause to this, you know, diet, nutrition, chemicals, mold. Like these are things that are now, I'm filtering the world through a completely different lens because one in four people are sensitive to mold, genetically speaking, like yep. their body literally yep. cannot detox mold. This is what I've learned from you, Dr. Wright, is like, the other 75%, they can live in a moldy house and mycotoxins go in and mycotoxins go out because the body detoxes. But that 25%, which I now know I am of that, like they don't detox it. It stays in the system unless they have a binder to help get rid of it. And so I want to ask you a question because I know this is going to be a question a lot of listeners have. For me, I was healthy my whole entire life. And then right after Tristan's diagnosis, like a year and a half later, I started to to get the invisible tremors and they came and went and I got some twitches in my face and they kind of came and went. And I was like, that's interesting. But I was drowning because my husband had cancer. So put on the back burner, right? Well, years go by. I now get COVID and then I got Epstein-Barr and then everything just kind of broke open. It was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And now I have all these MS-like symptoms and I can't think straight. I can't even attain. I couldn't even sit in five minute meetings. It was hard for me to brush my teeth. Like I thought 
I was going insane. I thought, I'm like, that's it. My brain has literally broken from all the stress and all the trauma. This is it for me, right? And so just because there was an overburden in my body, was I always sensitive to mold or was it just this buildup? Like, is there a gene that can turn on and off where it's like, no, you're not sensitive to mold. Oh, now you are all of a sudden sensitive to mold. What was happening? And can this happen for a lot of people or does this happen for a lot of people? Yes, it can happen to a lot of people. It can happen to pretty much anybody, even the non-genetically susceptible, because you can still overload a system that works properly. You can still overload that and cause all kinds of problems. However, so the gene is there and genes are like a gun and a gun can be used for good or ill. You know, every day, if you look on the news, you can see it being used for good or ill, but it's not the gun that's the problem. It's the person who's holding the gun, but the gene is like your gun. And then the environment is to what you do to that gene is what turns it on and or loads the gun. And so if you have the gene, basically you're running around, your body's doing just fine. You have resources to be able to deal with stuff. Even the stuff you can't deal with, you still have resources to compensate for stuff. But when major stress hits, major injury hits, whatever, something that starts suppressing the body, pretty soon you start using up all those resources and now you can't fake it. Mm -hmm. And now your body starts to crash. And even though you might have been genetically susceptible prior and not having a problem, now you hit the wall. Now you don't have the resources to be able to deal with that. And then you start to crash. And then you start to get a lot of crazy symptoms. And then you wonder, wait, I was healthy 15, like a couple of weeks ago. What's going on now? So that was exactly my case where like all of a sudden my body wasn't my body anymore. It like literally crashed and burned. Like it hit a threshold and then it was like, nope, we're done. And I've been crawling out of that hole ever since. I just didn't realize how many problems I'd packed into it. And I think that is the majority of all of our clients, right? Is like, or, or patients that come in, it's just all of a sudden the damn wall breaks and all the water comes coming out, right? And so another thing that I have seen a lot of is that when young kids go to college, not only does their diet change, their housing changes, their too. housing changes too. And the apartments yep. that they stay in aren't clean new apartments. Like there's probably a lot of water damage and apartment owners don't really care to mitigate because it's just such a cash cow for them. Right. And a cheap housing is a lot of students need housing. Well, and I can tell you that I've written a lot of letters for patients mm. to get out of their lease because of mold. Okay. So then let's go into, so let's say someone is doing their own, they're advocating for themselves. They're recognizing, oh, I have Lyme and the treatments aren't working. Actually, this is mold. What are the steps that people should take to start their healing journey? I like simple things. A brilliant surgeon once said, you know, I'm just a stupid surgeon. Keep it to threes or fours. And I thought, you know, I'm just a simple nature path. Keep it to threes yeah. or fours. And so I like things simple. <laughs> I like that. And the rest of the world likes it too, right? So there are really only two things you must do in order to get well from mold. It's a little more complicated than that, but think, do two things well and you'll get well. So the two things are, number one, you have to stop exposure. So you have to get out of it. Mm -hmm. If you don't get out of it and stop exposure, you're basically going to be putting more water into your sinking boat. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, the most important things for health, number one, if you have, you have to breathe, if you don't have air, nothing else really matters mm -hmm. and you have to hydrate. But I would put right alongside hydration, you have to have trace minerals because our bodies run on trace minerals that makes everything else run better. And so the next thing is, is you need quality sleep. And, you know, if you're sleeping in a poisoned environment, moldy, 
then you're not going to get well. If you're living and working in a moldy environment, you know, think of it like this. If you sleep eight hours, sleep eight hours a night, or you work eight hours a day in a moldy environment, one third of your day, you're being exposed to poison. If you're sleeping in it and you're working from home or you're a full-time mom, that's working from home. That's a full-time 24-7 forever job, right? So if you're a mom and you're living in this home that's moldy, except for getting out for food or, you know, doing something fun, you're basically exposed to mold 24-7. And so you're not breathing good air for 24-7 and your body is getting more and more inflamed 24-7. You cannot get well in that environment. Right. You have to stop exposure. And that, it's a long list. We could have just an entire podcast on just things to do to remediate your home. Yep. And I would say the simple answer of that is the more you do, the better off you're likely yeah. The less you do, the less likely you are to be good. So that's a simple. Which is also the sad truth. I hate to say it, but like, I love, you have to get out of it. As soon as you were like, I'm pretty sure this is mold. And you're like, we can test, we can do some tests to confirm it. I was like, no, I have enough data points. Like, let's just go. You know, unfortunately, that is the sad truth of you have to get out of it. And after I spoke with you, I consulted with you and I got enough data points. I was like, you know what? I don't care. I called Mike, who I've had on the podcast before, and they remediated my house four days later. And I cannot tell you the difference I feel like even though I still have symptoms, like they're not nearly as intense as what I was dealing with before, where I just I was like, oh, gosh, I have to endure another day of symptoms and trying to like manage my symptoms. And now it's just like, okay, it's not two steps forward, two steps back, two steps forward, two steps back. It's like, ah, it's like three steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, one step back. I feel like I have momentum now on my health. uh, Whereas before I I felt like I was just stuck and I literally was stuck. And so I love that you say you have to get out of it. And then the next part is I want you to say it because it's so smart. And then you have to get it out of you. Before we go to that, I have one piece of bad news for people. If you have mold in your home and you take your furniture with you, You took the mold with Mm. you. People often go, well, I moved out of the moldy home. Good. You need to do that. But if you took soft things with you, there's still stuff in. And so that's the good and bad news. It just is one reason. If you're not getting better, look at what you brought with you. You might have taken it. Before we move on, can they fog their homes for that? Absolutely. Because you can get your house fogged. They use What is the, the substance that they use? They use peracetic acid, which is a combination of peroxide and vinegar. And when I was in medical school, they said, if you want to sterilize the surface, spray regular, you know, white vinegar on it and then spray regular hydrogen peroxide on it, the action of mixing actually creates a free radical oxygen mm-hmm. that kills everything. We call that free radical oxygen is something we use in the office every day called mm-hmm. ozone. But you actually physically make a free radical oxygen, which kills everything. It's the most powerful oxidant known to man. But the peracetic acid has a pressure gradient, so it actually pushes it into nooks and crannies. And because of the acetic acid portion, it actually recycles itself until it's all used up. So not only do you make it, because I like ozone generators, you can take that into a place and sterilize mm-hmm. things. But as soon as the ozone's done, it's done. But the peracetic acid keeps reacting, keeps reacting, keeps reacting until it's all used up. So you get a much better treatment. The side effect at the end is it smells a little bit like vinegar. Mm-hmm. Which I think smells amazing. I do too. <laughs> but we're pretty crunchy. Like vinegar yeah, to me smells crunchy. like a clean house. <laughs> so I have a yeah, I have this like does. positive like association with it. So you don't have to get rid of your furniture. You can just get your house fogged and save your furniture and save I want to say save a lot of money, but I know it can be a little pricey to fog your house. However, if you still have moldy places in your house, it doesn't make sense to fog the house and then it's still producing mold, right? So remediate properly and then fog. And you know, this was the answer. 
And literally when they came to my office, they came because a patient referred them. And I was all skeptical. And I was like, I had just finished studying Shoemaker's work on you can't remediate all the foggers or, you know, a waste of your time and they're shysters and they're taking your money. And he has a few interesting things to say about it. And I appreciate that. But when these guys came, they came on referral from a patient. And she basically said, you need to talk to them. I'm going to set up an appointment for them to come talk to you. And you need to listen to them. And I was like, hey, all right, I'll listen to them. So they came and they told me their thing. And, and I knew about vinegar and peroxide. And so that was not new to me. But they left. And I've chatted with them a lot since. Mike says, I was pretty sure we weren't getting any, any referrals from you. That's hilarious. <laughs> and But then, you know, I had people and I said, oh, here's this patient who got good results. I have to put stock in that. And so I started hesitantly giving out their cards and the patients would say, I can't believe how much better I feel since they did my house. And that was consistent, every single one who told me. And so I started giving them out more and I, I don't want to take credit to this, but I'm kind of part, my office is kind of partially responsible for like quadrupling business. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and then people had travel nationally to talk to other doctors, you know, go to conferences and they go, what do you do for moldy homes? I was like, oh, I got this company. Mm-hmm. And so I went back and I was like, Poke, you guys need to go national. Right. And then they were able to get some things together and, and be able to go national now. And the company so really is, it's helpful. Pure Maintenance, right? The one that you're talking about? Yeah. I'm familiar with yep. them. So if you guys are looking for a fogging company, are they national now? Did you just say that? Yep. Perfect. So look up Pure Maintenance. They're really, really phenomenal. They're a great company. Yep. Okay. So one, you have to get out of it. And then two, are you ready to go on to two? Get it out of you. Get it out of you. Yeah, I'm ready to go on to two. Get it out of you. So that's simple, right? If you know, if I, okay, if I have to get out of it and I have to get it out of me, meaning you have to stop all exposure. If it's in you, you have to stop exposure. Mm-hmm. And so the getting it out of you, and I've had a lot of people who just doing that got better. Amazing. And so I just use binder. I mean, there's a drug binder called cholestyramine. Mm-hmm. It is the most effective one. My problem with it is that they put MSG aspartame in it. I can't remember which one, but it doesn't matter. They put an artificial sweetener in there so it tastes mm-hmm. good. Well, my problem with that is if you're working with somebody who's pre-sensitized to everything and then I go and put MSG in their body because I want them to take this drug, right. I'm like, okay, I'm going to potentially harm them while I'm helping them. And so that's my bias. And so I have used cholestyramine in a number of people. It's worked great. Mm-hmm. But I've also had some other people who reacted poorly to it, responded poorly to it. And so I, it's a bias. And so I prefer something a little less effective than the best. Mm-hmm. I would say it's probably 70 to 80% is good. And so I've used charcoal and clay. My favorite one is pectisol C. Mm-hmm. Which and tastes great. You, you it doesn't s- have a bad taste at great. all. And I can give it to babies if I need the baby to detoxify. And so it's not as fast, but it's very well tolerated. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of other binders out there. You mentioned some. Please mention them here again because I'm still learning. learning yes. Yeah, so my favorites are from Cellcor and they are Carboxy. Carboxy is very strong. So you have to dose it very carefully because it can just pull things out really. When I take Carboxy, my symptoms are almost immediate because it's pulling out mycotoxins so fast. And so I have to do it on days where I'm doing like the transdermal ozone sauna, the hocket at the clinic or doing the ionic foot bath. I have to do it in conjunction to make sure that all of this stuff is like coming out of my body. And the other one that is a little bit more mild is called biotoxin binder. These latch on to the mycotoxins and help pull them out. And what's wonderful about these binders, unlike charcoal and clay, is that they're not going to absorb your minerals, right? 
it. If anything, they add back yep. to the body. Like clays and charcoals, yep. they pull things out, but they also yep. absorb your minerals as well. So they deplete you. So you have to make sure that you're really, really, really up on your mineral intake when you're taking those. With carboxy and with biotoxin binder, they don't do those things. They put minerals back into the body. And so as well as absorb stuff that's not supposed to be there. Thank you for bringing that for up. Sure. Because that's been my beef with activated charcoal and, and clay as well is you have to take it a long ways away from food mm -hmm. so that you don't absorb the good stuff that you're trying to get yeah. in. And just a tip for all those of you who aren't here in Utah who can come and get an iron cleanse or a uh, ozone sauna hocket. If you can do a coffee enema when you do these really strong binders, mm -hmm. that's another way of helping to get things out in a pinch. And it's also a cheap therapy. So for if people are really strapped because they've spent all their money on medical care and haven't gotten the mm -hmm. answer, coffee enema is a very inexpensive tool that you can do at home. You can take the binder and do the coffee in and you can start getting better, but you still have to stop exposing. Exactly. It's really hard to dry off if you don't get out of the shower first. So you have to get out of the shower, get out of the mold, and then you can start getting it out of you. Absolutely. So a lot of people are going to ask about, you mentioned babies, kids, pregnant women. We did an Instagram live where we answered this, but for those that don't follow on Instagram, what about children and babies? Can we give them Pectisol C to help absorb all these mycotoxins? So yes, you can. Pectisol C is effectively modified citrus pectin. So citrus means lemons, limes, grapefruit, oranges, mm -hmm. and pectin is fiber. So if you would feed your child citrus fruit, Pectisol C is that safe. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, if they're allergic to that, I, if you're allergic to citrus, I'd be cautious. But that's the outlier, not the mm -hmm. norm. And so I've given Pectisol C to my own children. Even when my children were two and three, I've given it to patients. I've given it to pregnant moms. Now, here's the thing with pregnant moms. Everything is a concern for mm -hmm. a pregnant mom. So you should, of course, talk to your doctor. If my wife was pregnant, when she was pregnant, I would give her Pectisol C, but I'm her husband and she knows. And so I would say, if you're pregnant, you should talk to your doctor and make sure this is right, right. for you. But Pectisol C is not going to hurt you if you're nursing. And one of the questions you brought up earlier today is, well, I shouldn't detox if I'm nursing. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're doing a very gentle detox called fiber, which is what Pectisol is, pectin, you're not going to add anything. You're not going to pull anything out that's going to be a potential problem. If you're detoxing something like pesticides or mercury, you shouldn't do that while you're pregnant or nursing. That's a really strong detox. But something gentle that's a binder typically does not cause any problems in nursing. Well, and like you said, just to put everyone's mind at ease, the toxins are already going through the milk anyway. So why not get a sponge that helps pull them out through the colon instead, right? Like get a really incredible binder that your body can handle that will act like a sponge, take those toxins, and then you poo and pee it out, right? Your biggest detox organs would be first the colon. So you're gut, second urine, third sweat, and then it would go to breast milk. And so let's utilize, you know, your one and two, so feces and then urination and take those binders to, and then help you, like you said, do a coffee enema to get it out. Or like, is it okay if people don't want to do a coffee enema? Can they just do like a normal warm water enema as well? Okay. So you can even just do a warm, I can't do coffee enemas because I get jittery too much. I'm really sensitive to coffee. So I just do warm water enemas and I just help get things moving and grooving. And so... Yeah, I was going to say with coffee enemas, make sure you're using organic mm -hmm. because coffee has a lot of... Regular coffee has a lot of poisons in it. Yep. It's still the most heavily sprayed 
crop with DDT, which was outlawed in the 50s or 60s in our country, still used there. And so you don't need an extra dose of DDT. And then there's actually mold on a lot of coffee because it's allowed to dry in a hot, humid place. And so you want to be using, especially if we're talking about mold and or please, if you're going to do a coffee anime, please use coffee that does not have mold in it. I mean, that should go without saying, but I'm going to say So we have to say it anyways. Louder for the people in the back, right? (laughs) Be very careful with your sources. Also, there will be a link in this podcast where you can go to a webpage and put in your email address and we can email to you the CellCore practitioner code so that you can order Carboxy or Biotoxin Binder. And we will also have a coffee enema explanation as well. So you guys can get those resources to help you detoxify. One thing I want to mention about kids though is the Carboxy is a really phenomenal phenomenal detoxer because if you do a full scoop of it for an adult now that's like a I don't want to say it's a hero dose but it's a strong binder for one and so you have to work up to a full dose but it's in a scoop so with children you can just start with the sprinkle in like their juice or in their mineralized water and they probably won't even taste it so if they're drinking orange juice or apple juice or my kids drink superior all day long which is a mineral drink that's sweetened with stevia so you could just like throw a little bit in there and that will just slowly detoxify them, right? Without them even knowing it. And every time they're doing like you're you're adding the superior minerals, you're just doing a little sprinkle of the carboxy in there. And the next time they drink, you do a little bit of the carboxy in there and you're just slowly detoxing them without it being like, oh, here's your pill, here's your thing. And they're like, no, no, I don't want it. Right. So I really love the carboxy. It is very powerful. So start with like a pixie dust sprinkle and then work up to a full scoop if you can. Like I said, the full scoop will have a taste, but if it's diluted, they probably won't even recognize it. So there is hope for detoxifying don't feel like all is lost, right? I think the biggest hurdle is just getting yourself out of the environment, getting the environment cleaned up because then cleaning up the environment within your body is actually pretty easy, right? Or now I want to talk real quick about, we've spoken about ways to detox. We've spoken about ways to get it out of your house. I want to talk about those people that have been exposed to it for years, years ago, right? Can they still have symptoms today? Now they're like, I don't live in a moldy house. I haven't for years and years and years. Why am I symptomatic of this? It must be Lyme. It must be Epstein-Barr. Is it probably mold? Yes, probably. So I have a patient. I've worked with her for uh, probably a better part of 10, 12 mm-hmm. years or more. And you know, working with her, we've got everything, all of her symptoms better. She's feeling great, but she has this one pesky symptom. She has really severe diarrhea, like to the tune of 20 to 30 times. Wow. Complete with sometimes having to change her underwear. And and that's really not a good thing. That's a terrible thing. And so we got back together, kind of went through a a period of, well, I wouldn't call it retirement. We'll call it retirement. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so she found me and said, you know, I still haven't been able to figure out this. And I said, let's just start over again. Pretend like I don't know anything. And it all kind of started around the time when she was living in a moldy house. And I said, I used to say, well, surely your body would have gotten rid of it over the 20 years. Nope. And so I said, let's do some testing, did the urinary mycotoxin test, which you can get from real-time labs. And she did the test. Turns out she had mycotoxins. I was like, well, the only place she's been exposed was 20 years ago in this home. I'm like, well, I guess you have been recycling them for 20 years. So I put her on binders, ran a bunch of blood work. All of her blood work was stellar and exactly how I wanted to, except for one thing. And that one thing was a hormone that gets changed when somebody is in a chronic mold exposure, and it has to do with gut health, specifically for constipation and diarrhea. Mm, interesting. So I got her on this, the medicine specifically for that, 
And within days, her diarrhea got better. Within weeks, her diarrhea was non-existent. Now, she wasn't done yet, but she was reteaching her body, resetting that hormone so that she did not have it. Well, she wasn't having any accidents. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. About eight or nine months later, you know, about three or four months ago, basically what happened was she was able to go off everything and her bowels were still normal. Amazing. And so it was just, you know, we had to go through the rest of the mold protocol. You have to get it out of you and fix anything that broke. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get it out of you and you're fine, you don't have to do the rest of the blood testing. And it's all blood testing that any medical doctor can run. Any provider can run it, but usually these tests are looking at inflammatory markers and immune system markers and weird hormones that most of us didn't learn about in medical school, but they're part of our bodies. And so you run these blood tests and there's a range of normal versus abnormal for mold. And each one has a specific therapeutic intervention that you can do to reset that thing that broke. Interesting. And the thing that she was doing is the very last thing. You can't do that until you're done with everything else. Now she's healthy. Amazing. She's, you know, moving on with her life and doesn't have this really chronic diarrhea. So I want to talk about when you have this chronic exposure to mold. And I want people to understand the longer you've had the exposure, the more damage there has been to, let's call it a house. Let's say there is a fire that started in your house and it burned for 20 minutes. And so it just burned a part of the kitchen. The remediation for that and the fixing and the remodeling for that is going to take less resources than a fire that was burning for an entire hour and consumed half of the house, right? That's going to take a lot more fixing and remediating and remodeling and resources. And so if you have had chronic, let's say you've had chronic mold exposure that you were unaware of for years and years and years, and then it created the perfect breeding ground for Epstein-Barr to now come out and play. And then it created the perfect breeding ground for Lyme to come out and play. And I think I mentioned this in the live and I want to mention it again. Let me rewind. If we took 100 people and we tested them all for Lyme, a lot of people would test positive for Lyme that were asymptomatic. And the reason why that is, is because the immune system is designed to keep it at bay. Many of us are walking around with Lyme in our body and we're asymptomatic because it's being kept in the prison, right? Your immune system are the prison guards and it's keeping it in the prison and they're not coming out and wreaking havoc, right? This isn't Gotham City yet. But then Lyme comes out to play and the prisons break open and now it's Gotham City and they're just running amok and you feel awful, right? And so that's why I think you don't ever try to micromanage Lyme. You create the body to have the environment for it to do it itself because there's nothing more intelligent than your own innate immune system. And so when it comes to mold and when it comes to, let's say you've been exposed to mold and now you got Epstein-Barr and now you got Lyme and it's created a lot of damage in the body and a lot of inflammation and a lot of immune dysregulation for years and years and years, be really patient and really gentle with yourself and trust the process when you finally get answers and you start to detox and you start to heal and you start to undo and reverse the damage, right? Because the first few months or maybe even year or two, you're slowing down the momentum of the damage, right? So it's kind of like a snowball effect where it slowly started rolling down the hill and it goes faster, 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 faster. Now, oh, we found out what it was. Okay, now we have to slow down the snowball and now we're slowing it down and we're slowing it down and now it has stopped and now we get to reverse all the damage right and so you just really have to be patient and recognize like you're on the right path and it might take some time to heal all of this what were you going to say about that i was just going to say the rule of thumb that i learned in medical school was if you take one month for every year Mm -hmm. 
that you've been sick and you have to be actively working on your health for one month for every year. So if you've been sick for 20 years, figure it's going to be around two years for you to get mm-hmm. well. And that's active therapy. That's not like occasionally doing something healthy. That's actively managing your diet, managing your lifestyle, taking the supplements, doing real whole foods, you know, getting out of the mold and, and getting it all out. And the second thing I wanted to say is, if you're one who's sensitive, the doses we're telling you are normal, regular people doses. Mm-hmm. But I recognize among your listeners, there's going to be a lot of people who are super sensitive. So for those people, you go, okay, that's the regular dose. I'm going to use a little pixie dust of that mm-hmm. and then gradually work up the regular dose. If it takes you longer, cool. You got time. Where are you going to be in two years? Same place you're going to be in two years. So you may as well be doing the detoxification and healing. Sometimes people heal from one thing and they have another set of symptoms that are still there. And so they assume, don't assume, I always get in trouble when I assume, but they assume that, oh, that's still my Lyme disease. No, that could be, Mm -hmm. no, that could be the Epstein-Barr. No, that could be, you know, an allergy to something you didn't know about and your body got active. Mm -hmm. That could be the toxic in-law that keeps coming over and harassing you. I mean, there's lots of different other things that can be doing it and all of them need to be addressed. But mold is the one that everybody misses. Mm -hmm. You know, I always say sick body, sick brain. And what is really awful about these illnesses that I have personally experienced, I first heard it from my clients for years and years. And and then I got on this bandwagon. It's not a bandwagon I ever wanted to get on, but here I am. And there's a lot of PTSD that goes into the diagnosis, right? Because it's very scary. You know, you feel like your body, it feels possessed almost. It's like something's happening here and I can't control it. And I don't know how to fix this. And no one else does. And I'm being gaslit. I went to one of my doctors and he wanted to put me on anti-anxiety meds. How many people are like, no, 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 this isn't anxiety. This feels different. And like, no, you're just really anxious. You've been through a lot of trauma. And like, no, that something's wrong. Like this, the brain fog, it's like, palpable almost like there's something here so with long story short when you have a sick body for a long time it actually creates a sick brain and so there's a lot of inflammation in the brain and with that inflammation there is what i call hardware wear and tear as well as software wear and tear right so your brainwave activity your alpha beta delta gamma brainwave activity will start to alter and shift to to reflect that of a sick body. And so when you rid yourself of Lyme or when you rid yourself of mold and detox mold and you rid yourself of Epstein-Barr and your immune system is able to get on top of Lyme, what often happens is the brain activity is still so atrophied that if they have any kind of symptom, it will not only go into a PTSD response, but it can oftentimes mimic or recreate the symptoms again. And then they go to their doctor and they're like, my Lyme is back. And the doctor will run tests and they're like, nope, you're squeaky clean. You're healthier than ever. And they're like, no, I swear it's there, it's there, it's there. That's because there's a PTSD response as well as your brain activity that is mimicking that which it has been used to for years and years and years. So that's yes. that's why I love hyperbaric and that's why I love, love, love neurofeedback because it helps to strengthen the brainwave activity to mimic a healthy brain again and get you out of that fight or flight response because what happens when we go into fight or flight? Cortisol goes up, inflammation goes up, symptoms come back. So now it wasn't actually yep. your disease that created that, it was your PTSD and your fight or flight response. So in this case, the symptom is real and it was in your head, right? Your brain literally created the symptom. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. That's spot on. Okay. (laughs) This is what I have found (laughs) in my experience. I've worked with a lot of people like that. They're like, your Lyme is gone, but I still have the symptoms. Okay. You just have damage Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. from the lime or from the mold, and we just have to fix the damage. Yep. And that's great news. I mean, and so rather than gaslighting people and say, well, you know, you're just anxious. Well, you know, you're just, no, it's real. Mm-hmm. In our world, Johnny, we don't bill insurance. So therefore, we don't get people who are willing to pay cash right. to tell us, to make up stories and lie mm-hmm. to us. So when people tell me something, I listen mm-hmm. to them. Like, okay, I don't know what's doing that, but let's look into that. Let's find the cause. Let's, you know, let's do some things. I love neurofeedback as well. It's wonderful to help rewire and train and calm things mm-hmm. down. I love ozone. Love I it. Love, especially love. Uh, let me rephrase. I love oxygen. Mm-hmm. Same. I love ozone. I love hyperbaric. Hyperbaric's phenomenal because what happens? Your brain's starving for mm-hmm. air. And if you've got, you know, a bunch of damage in there, you put oxygen in there and the brain goes, cool. I got tools to be able to heal myself. Mm-hmm. It's just phenomenal. They really yeah. are phenomenal therapies to really help reverse the damage in a fast period of time, right? So I'll share my experience. Like when my symptoms were coming back fast and furiously post Theo, you know, my trauma cycle was making my symptoms worse and worse and worse to a point where I couldn't sleep. I started neurofeedback. And now when I get a symptom, I'm just like, oh, it's a symptom. It'll go away. And guess what? It goes away every single time. But before when I was fixating on it, they would get worse. And it was this positive feedback week of like, oh no, there's a symptom, cortisol goes up. The symptom gets worse. Cortisol goes up. The symptom now gets worse. Cortisol goes up and it got worse and worse and worse. And so I'm not kidding. Like I feel like I found this beautiful rhythm, Dr. Wright, where I started neurofeedback. I remediated my house and I've been doing the ozone IV therapies to help mitigate all the damage and inflammation. And I'm still doing Hocket, which is the transdermal ozone to help me detox while I'm doing my binders. Am I hundred percent? No, I'm probably like circulating mycotoxins left, right, and center, but I don't want to detox too fast because if I do, it aggravates my symptoms too much and I'm scared it's going to put me in a PTSD cycle, right? And so there's this whole like mental gymnastics that you have to do with these kinds of symptoms and diseases that I would have never understood in a bajillion years unless I walked this path. So I just want people to recognize and understand that like one, you're not alone. Two, there are ways that like the body is designed to heal and fix itself. And there are some really rad tools out there to help you speed up the process if you are able. Is there anything else that you want to add to that, Dr. Wright? You can heal. Mm Mm-hmm. Amen. Your body has what it takes to heal. I said it earlier, I don't know how to fix death, and I don't know how to fix bad attitudes. And so, you know, you have to have a good attitude about this. And that's hard because if you've been to, what, 15 doctors or 23 doctors or 65 doctors, and all of them are telling you the same thing, except you know, well, everybody else isn't sick. Surely there has to be a way to heal. And and you go through your, I crashed, I feel terrible, I don't want to do this anymore. But then you come and go, no, wait, I really don't want to live like this anymore. I want to have better health. Mm -hmm. And so there are people out there. We're here. There's lots of other doctors out there. There's nurse practitioners out there that have tools to help you get well. And if a doctor says, well, it's all in your mind and they're kind of being, they're kind of gaslighting you, they've just politely told you they don't have the tools to help you get another one and keep looking. And I Google stock. I check my doctors out. If I'm going to go see somebody or somebody, you know, my family's going to go see them. I check them out online. Mm -hmm. I look at what the, you know, reviews are, but you can heal. The body is powerful. Give it a chance. It can, you can heal. 
It really is powerful. I want to share one or two more stories before we wrap this up, because hopefully this information empowers those that are on their healing journeys to make really, really educated decisions and map out their healing protocols efficiently so that you can get the biggest bang for your buck. So we currently have a Lyme patient who has flown in from another state to do the Lyme protocol here. And in three weeks, she noticed 60% improvement where she is skiing. We'll probably get her on the podcast to talk about this because she started as a podcast listener and then she joined the Gutsy Academy and then she realized I need to go to Provo Health and now she's here and she's seeing phenomenal results. But we had her do a hair scan and two things popped up, parasites and mold. And when I was talking with her, I'm like, did you live in moldy homes when you were younger? And she was like, yep, absolutely. I know exactly which homes they were. And I'm like, and what about the parasites? She's like, I went to South America and when I came back, I knew I was riddled with parasites and my health was never the same again. And I told her, I'm like, we're doing all these incredible therapies right now to detox you and and to regenerate your cells and speed up healing and recovery. If you start detoxing mold and parasites, you're going to start getting sick really quick. We have to get them out as fast as possible, right? Like we might even have to extend your protocol because you're not going to start feeling good as these things come out of your body, right? So first you have to get them out before we start remediating everything, before we start fixing everything and remodeling. Before we start remodeling the body from all its damage, we have to get, I like to use this example of like, if you own an apartment building and it's filled with fraternity boys that party every weekend and leave beer cans everywhere and damage the walls and stuff, you're not going to go in and fix your apartments while they're still living there. You have to evict them, right? Because they're just going to keep having parties while you send over very expensive contractors to fix all the damage that they're doing. So get rid of your tenants, right? So that's the mold, that's the parasites, that's the inflammatory foods, that's the chemicals, that's the heavy metals. We didn't even talk about those things, but that's for other podcasts for another time. Yes, for another podcast. But that's for another time. But you have to kick out the fraternity boys and then go in and remediate and fix and heal and do all the things. And so make sure you guys that you, when you are working with a doctor or an expert or some functional doctor or practitioner, that they are covering all of their bases and you're covering all of your bases so that you're not wasting your time and your money, right? Otherwise, you're just stuck on this hamster wheel of it's Lyme, it's Lyme, it's Epstein Bar, it's Epstein Bar. And when people are like, it's Epstein Bar. I'm like, no, it's not. There's something else happening here to allow the Epstein Bar to come out and play. So go and chase down, go down those rabbit holes, not the Epstein Bar rabbit hole over and over and over, not the Lyme rabbit hole over and over and over. Like there is hope for healing. I promise, promise, promise. Dr. Wright, any other words of wisdom or advice around mold before we wrap this puppy up? There's a lot of tools out there. If you get to a really bad spot, let's have a consultation to help you get well. There, You can heal. Mold is, it's possible to get mold out and heal the body. And I want to second that because with all the knowledge that I had, I still couldn't see it clearly. I had sometimes guys, you have to just get someone on your team to get a bird's eye view that isn't so in it. I didn't realize I was so in it. And with all the knowledge and all the information that I had and all the resources that I have access to, I just needed a doctor right for an hour to just say, Janique, I'm pretty sure this is mold. You are a poster child for mold and to have it click, right? Or to get someone to do the proper testing who has the year's worth of experience to be like, let's really figure this out and see what is happening, right? So that you're not wasting time and you're not wasting money and you're not wasting resources. Like have an expert who can use precision to really help you get the answer so that you can have, so that you can enforce a protocol that will finally work for you. And so make sure if you are looking for someone or if you want Dr. Wright on your team, Dr. Wright, you can prescribe for people in state, but if they are out of state, you can just consult with them and give them a second opinion and guide them 
yes. on where to go. Is that correct? Yes. When I, I met with somebody yesterday and she's out of state and I said, okay, because I, I, if I'm going to work with you, it, it's easiest if you have a good provider who's willing to work together. And so I said, okay, so the next step is you need a list of lab tests, have your doctor run them. If they don't know how to interpret them, we can meet again and I can interpret them. Mm. And so I'm happy to work with other doctors and give you the information you need so that you can go to your doctor and get what you need to get well. Perfect. Awesome. Well, you guys just call it Provo Health and make sure you schedule with Dr. Wright. He can absolutely help you out. If you want another tool to help you doing a male in hair analysis or a consultation with one of our coaches with the hair analysis to see if they there is mold or something else lurking underneath the surface to help your body heal um, could also be another phenomenal starting place. That's why I love the hair analysis because it brings things to light that people would have never thought to consider. And so if you need help, we are here to help you. Dr. Wright, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. And listeners, we will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health Podcast. 